So I am in Finland at the moment and I'm not going to do a live stream off the back of that Niners game. I uh, just want to give you a few thoughts on what I've just watched. Uh, I am sat in uh, a sauna room, which is obviously not turned on because I wouldn't be wearing this if it was. Uh, it's about minus 20 degrees outside and it's about five o'clock in the morning. I got up at 3.30 in the morning to watch that game. And pff, I don't, look, I don't think anybody went into that Niners game thinking... There was going to be a great chance of a big win and the Silks were going to look great and, and that some kind of huge moment was going to happen, a bit like the Broncos game in week one where the team just rallied together, put in a complete performance and, and got the job done. I don't think there was much hope and optimism for that. And and really, if you just said to me, look, the Silks are going to give up 170-odd rushing yards and it was going to be a one-score game, I'd probably come away thinking, fair enough, you know, that that's not a bad effort. Yet somehow watching that, it, it, it kind of feels worse than, you know, and I think people are going to cr try and talk this away and say, well, the defence didn't do too badly. And, well, look, they scored a touchdown at the end and a few things went against them, such as the Diggs dropped interception and then obviously the, the home of fumble, which completely changed the game and stuff like that. You know, people can make those excuses. But for me, I, I just, the Silks just look bad to me. I, the, the, I know that you're playing a great defence. I know that the, the, the Niners are a really tough out. And, and look, they spent the whole game, the commentary team, talking about how the Niners could be in the Super Bowl and, and that they're one of the big contenders. And they may well prove to be. But you know, no Debo Samuel. They just seem to be able to... Whoever's... I mean, I almost feel like Kyle Shanahan might be able to get me to play four quarters of good football for him at quarterback. They're playing an undrafted rookie free agent. And... Look, he's, he did very well again. Look, you, you can't knock Brock Purdy, and eventually he's going to stop being referred to as an undrafted free agent if he carries on playing like this. People are just going to refer to him as a quarterback. I get that. But, but at the same time, this is his first road game, and he never really looked uncomfortable. You know, this defence didn't do anything really to make his life difficult. Um, on offence, you know, what, what is the plan? You know, for, for a few weeks now, the Silks have just felt unprepared going into a game, and I was kind of watching this thinking... What exactly are the Silks trying to do? You know, what what punches are they throwing at San Francisco? They, they kind of felt just like a boxer who's kind of hurled up in the corner, you know, clinging on to get past a certain round because maybe if they last three rounds, they get uh, they get a, pay, a better paycheck or something like that. I mean, it just, I, I don't really know what the Silks are trying to do. And then they were kind of hanging in there. You know, it, it felt a little bit like they were hanging in there rather than anything good that they were doing. And then you get to sort of the end of the first half and... And you've got the Quandre Diggs missed interception. You know, you can see Richard Sherman's reaction on the broadcast to that. I think everybody's reaction should have been somewhat similar. Never mind, you get the ball back. Um, it's dumped off to Travis Homer. It's going to go for a first down. You're thinking, hey, they might be able to get some points here. Huge fumble. It's, it's not just the fumble and the turnover. It's the recovery, taking it right down to the goal line. The Niners punch it in and, and the game's changed. You know, you, you go in then at half time. It's, it's a good a good punch really to go in at the break uh, having considered 14 points there I think it was 14-3 wasn't it at half time and then you come out after half time and you think okay well look you know if you get a stop get the ball back it's it, you can still get a touchdown drive go and make some adjustments and, and get back into the game and then there's the, the blown coverage on, on George Kittle I mean I, I've seen enough of this defensive scheme you know I, I don't believe in it I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that but I, I for the linebacker not to carry George Kittle in that situation. You know, we're 15 weeks into an NFL season here. How can you not know what your role is 
against someone as good as George Kittle right off the back of half-time. You know, it's not as if the, the players were tired at that point, mentally tired, physically tired, he just switched off. You know, this this is one of the biggest named players on the, on the Niners roster. It's not as if he was just a no-name who slipped out and they just, just bossed the coverage. You know, someone's going to know where Kittle is on every single down. And they, they blew the coverage. But never mind, you know, Kittle gets into the open space and, and gets the completion. Fine, it's a busted coverage, these things happen. But then Quandre digs his tackle. Just a complete whiff tackle. We've seen too many of those this year. Kittle that bounces around, pinballs around into the end zone. 21-3, game over at that point. I've seen enough. We don't need to see Quandre Diggs back next year at $18 million. You know, if, if his salary was a lot lower than this, you might you could say, look, the defence has been cramped. New scheme, you know, you give him another try, but not for $18 million. You know, you can't be paying Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams $36 million next year. You just can't. You know, that, that's you can't justify that anymore. Um, but how can you justify keeping this scheme? I mean, it, you know, how long is it going to take for the players who are on, you know, because, you know, I can accept bad talent on defensive line and just not having the players and not being good enough up front there and needing to add there. We can all see that that's what they need to do. But what I can't understand is, is you know, making such basic scheme errors as not carrying George Kittle downfield. You know, if they're not getting this defence 15 weeks into the NFL season, they've had training camp and 15 weeks of an NFL season now, when are they ever going to learn it? And if the guys who are on the defence can't learn it, then why are we expecting a whole bunch of rookies to come in next season and fix things just because they've got maybe a bit more talent up front. I don't think that's how it works. You know, you can't be pinning your hopes on that. And, and you know, the rookies that they've got this year, you know, Boya Mefe, for example, they, they're barely playing him. They're playing Bruce Irvin instead. You know, so if the rookies come in and they can't pick up the scheme or if they're, you know, are they going to get the Mefe treatment? Are they not going to play? They're going to still be playing like Shelby Harris instead and people like that. Um, you know, the Brian Monets and the Puna Fords or whoever because they have a slightly better grasp of the scheme or whatever. I mean, it, to me, it just, it ain't working. And, you know, it was interesting this week sort of seeing what's happening in Minnesota. Ed Donatel was originally going to come and coach in Seattle. Um, that was Pete Carroll's, you know, his old pals act. Go and get Ed Donatelli. He knows him. Go and bring him to Seattle to try and bring a, a bit of a Fangio flavour to the defence. He then got offered the Minnesota Vikings defensive coordinator job. So he went there instead. He was originally going to come to Seattle. So they go and get Sean Desai, put him with Clint Hurt, and, and that's your defensive staff. Well, Minnesota have got better talent on defence than Seattle. And this week I was reading that there's, there's a whole bunch of pressure on Ed Donatel basically to go. They've been asking, the media have been asking the head coach in Minnesota whether he's going to change the defensive the defensive play call, essentially get rid of the defensive coordinator mid-season because the defense is so bad. Um, they're, they're, I think the total defense, they're amongst the worst Minnesota Vikings and it's completely undermining their offense. And, you know, they're a good team and the defense is letting them down. And it's the same scheme. It's the same person that, that Carroll wanted in Seattle. It, it's a scheme that is it's not just not working in Seattle. It isn't working for the Chargers. It isn't working for the Vikings. It ain't working. So unless you are going to go and appoint Vic Fangio in the offseason, which we know Pete Carroll isn't going to do, why, why persevere with it for me? You know, If you are going to draft talent and bring a whole bunch of players in through the draft to try and improve your defence next year, then do it with the scheme that you're most familiar with, with the one that has, that has had more success. And look, it, this defence is making the Ken Norton Jr. defence look good. And people could say, oh, well, it wasn't so bad today and they didn't go up so many... But they didn't really need to. I mean, the Niners never really got out of second gear on offence. And they had Brock Purdy, again, an undrafted free agent rookie at quarterback. They kind of just managed the game. But 
nothing says it all really that like it's it what was it third and one or third and two or whatever it was right at the end of the game yes it's it's a vain hope if you get a stop there you're only gonna have a few seconds left to, to try and have a miracle i get it you know it's not as if the they had another timeout or something to spend there, but you need you need to stop on one yard. They get like 54 yards, take it to the one yard line, almost scored. End up giving up 170 rushing yards after all. Only have 70 rushing yards themselves. It ain't good enough. It isn't good enough. And and I don't I, I just I don't see any reason to carry on with this defensive plan. I mean it it just if there are other teams making this work, then then fine. But there aren't. There's nobody sort of making this work. And you know the Niners run. Uh, yeah, they've got Nick Bosa and and wow, what a player! You know he, Joey Bosa's good. Nick Bosa's generational talent at this point. You know, should be defensive player of the year, uh, incredible player. And and look, you, you, big people think Jalen Carter and, and Will Anderson are going to be Nick Bosa. They ain't, I'm afraid. So just too good. But the Niners have got him. I get that. But D'Amico Ryan's and it's from the Robert Sala sort of system. You know, it, it, it's got sort of Carroll DNA in it. Robert Sala's defense has got Carroll DNA in it. Yes, they've got Quinn Williams. Can Jalen Carter be Quinn Williams? Yes, he can, I think. Um, Dan Quinn, yeah, Micah Parsons. You know, could you get, could Will Anderson be Micah Parsons? Probably not, but, you know, could he play a similar role? Yes, I guess. You know, for me, there's there's no reason to persevere with the Fangio, Sean Desai, Clint Hurt thing. It, you're better off just going more to, to the old way, the old Carroll system. But then there's all sorts of other concerns, you know, that what is the Seahawks identity? You know, Carol's asked this question, have you got an identity or something like that this week? And, and he kind of fudged the answer because the, the truth is, no, they haven't. And this isn't just like a one year thing. How many years now has the defense been crap and the running game been non-existent? I mean, we're talking years and years and years. I mean, 2018 to 2020, the Seahawks were carried by Russell Wilson, despite having no running game to speak of, really. Massively inconsistent at best. Um, and, and a defence that wasn't, wasn't playing very well. All they've done now is swap Russell Wilson for Geno Smith. Now Geno Smith's carrying the team and is the only good thing about the team and they can't run the ball and they can't play defence. I mean, how many years do, does, does sort of Carroll get a pass for that whereby he knows what the identity is, very clear what the identity of the team needs to be. We've seen it for basically four games this year where they had that great run where they were playing good defence and running the football effectively and complementing each other and you know the, the, the circle was complete. But for years and years and years now, they haven't been able to do that. And, I, and when, when eventually are we going to talk about that? When, when are we sort of going to have a broader uh, conversation here? Of, you know, whatever Seattle, Carroll football is, we ain't had it in Seattle for a long, long time now. That, that feels important. Uh, at home, the Seahawks are now 3-4 and four at home at Lumen Field and 23-16 and 16 at home since 2018. When are we going to talk about that? You know, the Seahawks, all this formidable place, and you know, no one likes to go and play in Seattle. Playing in Seattle is a doddle for a lot of teams at the moment. You know, if they lose to the Jets um, and the Rams, they're going to be pushing to, towards 500 at home over the course of the last sort of five years. I mean, that's, that's, that's not good. You know, when are we going to have a conversation about that? And there's just so many other things that, I mean, the, the team is, is what, one and four in the last five? Their only win was that nail-biter against the Rams' backups. They're going to lose to Kansas City, and, and not even now. I put an article out which was quite critical of the team. I, I don't think anything was unfair in that article. You know, I'm not going over the top, not call for anybody to be fired or anything. I'm just pointing out some perhaps some inconvenient truths. 
within the article, go and check it out on seahawksdraftblog.com. And the first person that replies to the link on Twitter is ranting and raving, oh, you know, this has been a better season than people expected. And you you said they were going to be awful. I mean, look, I think I predicted six wins. I mean, they may only end up with seven wins this season, the way this is going. I mean, who knows, maybe seven or eight wins. I mean, it's hardly like a massive um, improvement. And, you know, I think people are, are just... They've allowed themselves to, to be convinced that whatever happens for the rest of the season now, that this has been an amazing, surprising campaign. I, I don't see it that way. I think you have to adjust your opinions. You know, before the season, we thought the NFC West was going to be a juggernaut. We thought that the Rams, Super Bowl champions, were going to be, continue to be good. We thought that the Niners were going to continue to be good. And we thought that the Cardinals were going to be better than they were. As it happens, the Rams and Cardinals have been a total shambles. Um, the Niners have, have, have been good. Um, but that, that completely weakens the bulk of your schedule for a start. The fact that your four games against NFC West opponents should be four wins, and they've got three out of three so far, and, that, and they should have had three out of three against the Cardinals and the Rams. But you look at the rest of the roster, you know, they have wins against Detroit. Yeah, Detroit, the Detroit win looks better now, but when they played Detroit, the Lions were a mess, and they didn't have hardly any of their best players. You know, it was a severely weakened Detroit team. They just won that game. Um, they beat the Broncos in week one. Everyone thought that was a great win in week one. Turns out that the Broncos are terrible. Uh, the Giants, you know, with what, what a win that looked at the time. The Giants have imploded a bit like Seattle since then. I think they've won one game since. So, you know, that that looks different now in, in context. And, and Seattle's strength of schedule is going into this week was 0 0.450. 0 0.450, which is one of the easiest strengths of schedule, uh, strength of schedules in the league. And you compare it to teams like the Lions, for example, they're, they, they're like 5.5. Oh, they're like another one <laughs> ahead of Seattle. The, the Giants and the, and the Commanders are exactly the same boat. So the, you know, the four teams that are kind of like looking at the playoffs at the back end of the NFC, Seattle's got by far the easiest strength of schedule compared to the Lions, the Giants and the Commanders. So it puts a bit of different, a different gloss on the season when you actually think about it like that. You know, it, it really, if the Seahawks hadn't got seven wins... And bear in mind, they've lost to some bad teams as well. You'd kind of think, well, no, that would have been awful. Like, if they only had five wins at this point, you'd say, that was pretty crap. Like, they've, they've ridden a bad strength of schedule, to, or an easy strength of schedule to get to five wins. And, and that's not that impressive. And I, and I kind of sit here now thinking, yeah, well, like, I'm really impressed with Geno Smith. He's He's gone above and beyond what I expected from him. And, and that's still the case. You know, he's basically the only shining light on the team right now. Um, and that's been a big positive and the four-game winning streak was fun. But really, everything else is kind of what I expected. The defence is crap. The running game's crap. Um, it's nice that someone like Tariq Woolen has emerged. I, I've, I've been pleased, generally, with the, the rookie offensive tackles, even though they had a nightmare to, tonight against San Francisco. But I don't think we're like, watching a miracle happen anymore. I mean, like if they'd have won 10 games and, and got to the playoffs, so won the NFC West, I think, yeah, you could be well within your rights to make those points. I kind of think we're, we're past that now. You know, it's 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 not the amazing, fantastic season that Evan was talking about because they are 1-4 and four in the last five games and that could easily be an 0-5. They nearly lost to the Rams back up. So I, I just think we're, we're, a bit of perspective is needed now. And, you know, where do they go from here? They're going to lose to the Chiefs on Christmas Eve. I think that's fairly certain. And then they'll finish the season playing the Jets at home. The Ram They may win those both games. And if they win those both, both those games, I'm sure people will be talking about how the positives are and all this and moving forward. But... I know, I, I kind of just sit here and go, I, I will be able to look forward to the draft. Uh, I, th I think they need to be ruthless with some of the decisions on people like Quandre Diggs in the off-season. They need to just part ways. I'd, I'd say the same for Jamal Adams, frankly. 
Um, whether they do or not, who knows? I, you know, they need some cap space. They need to bring some players in. I think they need to be more aggressive than they have been in free agency in in recent years. You know, go and get a Deron Payne or someone like that because you need talent up front. You know, they need talent up front. Um, I think they're a long way um, off off contending, even with it with a, a chance to have another good draft with all the picks they've got. I think we're talking longer term. Um, yeah, I, I just. It, it, it's hard to be that excited about the future of the Seahawks right now. Maybe that's sort of me saying that after the, off the back of a defeat, and I'm sure people will levy that at me. But, you know, I, I think even if they have a really good draft, I still think there's people need to prove themselves. You know, people have got a point to prove here. Carroll, Pete Carroll being the main one. You know, Carroll Shanahan can just plug in quarterbacks and his offense functions. For Pete Carroll, they can't even stop a running game for weeks and weeks and weeks. Like, say, another 170 odd yards today. Um, you know, when's Carroll going to actually deliver? You're a defensive mind and head coach. When is your defense going to come to the party here? What is is Clint Hurt good enough as a defensive coordinator? Um, why is the offense kind of dropped off a cliff? Why can't they run the ball at all against anybody? Not just against this Niners D line, but against anybody really. You know what? What questions does that bring up for for someone like Shane Waldron? You know, and look, I think these are just all things we have to consider at this point. You know, they. I'm not. I'm not that convinced, and you know, you, you sort of see it. You know, what, what has Carroll done with his coaching staff over the years? There's been a lot of nepotism with his sons working there. A lot of cronyism. Oh, let's get Tater back, and you know, the old pals out, and Clint Hurt gets promoted, and other people who've been there a long time. You know, where's where's the sort of the? the I mean, I, look, I give him credit for going and getting Waldron and Shane and Sean Desai and trying something different outside guys. Are given, but they need more of that. I think they're giving more guys in from the outside. Um, because what we're watching at the minute just, I don't know, just not good enough. And I don't feel like there's a lot of talent on this staff to go with the lack of talent up front on the defensive line and other areas. So, yeah, I think they need to be ruthless in the off-season. And I'm kind of ready just for the season to end. I, I just want to get on with it. I just want to get on with draft season now. I don't, see the, I, I'm, I, don't want to, I don't want this team to be in the playoffs. There's no point. Do you want to see this again? You know, them lose to the Niners in the playoffs or the Cowboys or something like that and just damage your draft position. I mean, I'm almost at a point now where I think, look, we've seen enough. Um, just, just you know, maybe even lose out. I mean, who cares at this point? It doesn't matter. They're on a losing, horrible losing run. Um, you know, if you can get into the top fifteen with your your first round pick to go with the one you're getting from Denver, that might be the best thing. Helps you get more talent for the future. You pick earlier in every single round. That might be what's best. People might not want to hear that, but for me, that that kind of feels. That's where I'm at at the minute. You know, I, I don't really feel like losing to the Chiefs on Christmas Eve and then. Finishing the season with two wins and, and going nine and eight and being a crap seventh seed and then getting your doors blown off by the Niners or the Cowboys, that that to me doesn't interest me. I'm, I'm not interested in that. I don't know why. You know, and even if you win, if you sneak one win, you ain't going to go on a playoff run and win the Super Bowl either. So, um, and, and if you're pinning your hopes on another beast quake happening, you know, some some pivotal historic NFL moment that galvanizes the team, I mean, you, you might as well pray for a miracle at that point. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, to lose out. And we'll see where we go. So, uh, apologies, no live stream. Um, but I've given you some thoughts from a cold sauna in Finland, having got up at 3.30 in the morning to watch that. So, if you are so caring and obliging, um, there are no super chats in this, but there are super likes. There's a heartburn underneath the video if you want to support the channel. Please jump in on that. Uh, please, please like the video. Let me know what you thought of the game in the comments section. Subscribe if you haven't already. SilkStraftBlog.com for more analysis. 
Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. See you next time.